today on The Travel Guys. In the travel news, Southwest and American are short-staffed, and it's starting to show up on the front line. Hawaii is dropping the quarantine for vaccinated travelers, and if you were a fan of the TV show Friends, we have a cruise to tell you about. Details next in the news. Our old friend Joe Brancatelli is raising hell with the airlines again. Now that business is better, Joe says look out for your wallet. Mark breaks down Joe's rant in our Smarter Traveler segment at 3.20. Airfares and most other parts of travel are rising in price. Chris Elliott joins us at 3.35 to tell us why there are virtually no travel deals for the summer and why it's better for your wallet and your future travels to behave yourself in the sky. Thinking about a visit to Disneyland this summer? Well, we have an expert's take on how to make your visit the best it can be. Stay tuned for Sarah's Disneyland special at 3.50. All that, plus where to stay and eat on the Oregon coast. I was there with 27 friends last week. Next on this week's edition of The Travel Guys. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. Hey there, everyone. Welcome again to another edition of the Travel and Entertainment Guys, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. I'm Tom Romano, along with Mark Hoffman. Uh, Gosh, great to have you here. It's time to do it again. Don't forget now, TravelGuysRadio.com. You can find links to our special guests and our stories right there on our website, as well as uh, tips to make you a smarter traveler and lots of other fun stuff. Mark, good to see you. It's been an entire week. You've been on the yep. road with uh, some sports you leisure betcha. travelers. Where have you been? What's going on? We flew to Portland last Sunday and spent. Uh, got home Friday night, spent pretty much a week making our way home down the Oregon coast and through all the redwoods and the stuff. It was. Uh, we had a fun trip, and I thought that uh, people tell me uh, sometimes who listen to the show, they say, gee, you know, when you go someplace, and you find something that's really great or a great restaurant or a good hotel or something like that, mm-hmm. it's it's always nice when you share those things with us because we figure, like, you know, you're a guy who's been out there and you know the difference between, you know, good service and bad service. Right. So, uh, so in Oregon, I will tell you that I think the two most overlooked destinations on the Oregon coast are the cities of Newport and Coos Bay. And they have kind of San Francisco-like weather in those two locations. Like when you all were in the 90s and Portland was – there's going to be like 111 in Portland today, Sunday. Just wow. unbelievable. I, this, this. But anyway, it was warm up there last week, but you get over to the coast, to Newport, and it was like stepping into San Francisco. You know, the temperatures were like 61, 62. There was cloud cover in the morning and late in the evening. And you would think that people would complain about that, but people from Sacramento know better in June than to complain about 60-degree weather. People were like, oh, wow, this is really cool. So uh, Newport is a city on the coast. It's only about a two-hour drive from Portland. 
and it has good hotels. We stay at a place called the Elizabeth Street Inn, and Elizabeth Street Suites, they call it now. Right. Um, every room faces the ocean. You've been there. I have. Uh, it's, uh, it's a neat little place. It's Yeah, it, it, it's not a big fancy hotel, but no. damn, it's one of the best places to stay. And it has its own beachfront that you can walk out yeah. onto, and uh, yeah. uh, the windows, you can open that sliding door, and in the evening time, you can go to sleep to the sound of the surf. That's pretty cool. And uh, the best marine wildlife cruise, where you get on a cruise boat, tool around the bay, out in the ocean just for a little bit, uh, learn about the creatures that live around there, drop some crab pots and stuff, really fascinating stuff. And there's a great restaurant now in Newport. It's called Clearwater. It's down on the uh, down on the water. And so make sure that you make a reservation because Clearwater has become incredibly popular. And the one thing they are really known for is their desserts. And I think I've related this before, how you can make your own s'mores mm. at your table. They bring you a little fire thing, and you can make your own little thing. So anyways, a lot of fun. The food is just really, really excellent there. Uh, seafood, uh, a little bit in the way of steaks and stuff like that. But if you're in Newport, you're, a lot of fresh seafood is brought in there. So it's really a good spot to get something good during Dungeness crab season. Now the Alaskan halibut is coming in. So Coos Bay uh, is another place where people would say, well, you know, the weather's not so great there. We stayed at a place called The Mill, which is also a, a casino, in addition, run by some of the tribe, tribes from the area. And the advantage is that the casino and the hotel are separated. So really hmm. a, a nice yeah. place. Um, friendly, friendly folks. Coos Bay has uh, a lot of things to do there. You would be surprised. I won't spend the time to go into it right now, but there's a lot of history and a lot of fun things to do in there around uh, Coos Bay. The mill has a salmon bake every night, so pretty cool. We spent a, and then we we wrapped up the day on Friday morning with uh, going through the big trees in uh, Eureka, the redwoods. We had the most magnificent guy. This guy was the best way I can describe him is he was a tree nerd. <laughs> he this, knew everything. Was this a guide or your bus driver? Uh, this was a guide. Okay. Uh, so we, we call him a step-on guide, someone we picked up for a couple of hours <laughs> and who took us through the, the redwoods right. and got off with a couple of times and who just really loved trees in the forest. It was it was as much fun listening to him because he was he had so much enthusiasm uh, and some really, really nice people to travel with. And, you know, how we talk about being flexible, um, you know, getting to a hotel and finding out that the restaurant in the hotel is closed that you thought was going to be open and now where is everybody going to go for dinner and uh, different things like that. But folks were really flexible. We had a fun group of people to travel with, and we really had a good time. Have I taken up the whole damn hour here now? <laughs> no. <laughs> Been some great information. We'll talk more a little later on. At the top of every Travel Guys radio program, we do our best to bring you up to date on the travel news. And with the travel news, here's Mark. Just... After we went off the air last week, we got word that a federal judge had struck down the CDC cruise rules and sided with the uh, governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, in terms – and if you don't remember all of the details on this, the governor didn't want people to have to prove they were vaccinated in order to get on a cruise ship. The cruise ships – and the CDC said to the cruise ships, you've got to hit these numbers of vaccinated people in order to be able – to be out in the water. So a back and forth, back and forth. Uh, the governor wins one, 
So people do not have to prove that they are vaccinated to be on board ships. Not sure how I quite feel about that. But anyway, that puts that little uh, goodie to to bed. The FAA last week decided that the air traffic control system in Mexico, they've dropped it to a Category 2 rating, which means they don't think it's too hot, Hmm. which uh, a lot of U.S. travelers go to Mexico and – we're not just talking about Mexican airlines here. We're talking about any airline in the Mexico airspace. Right. And so the FAA did not specify the precise nature of the problem with Mexico's aviation system, but said the decision reflects the system is not up to the task of ensuring safety. Yeah. So if you are flying to Mexico sometime soon, think about that one just for fun. Um we mentioned in the headlines about a cruise to a, a friend's cruise. Yeah. Now, yeah, full disclosure here. Mm-hmm. The friend's cast is not on the cruise. This is a cruise made up of fans of the show Friends with lots <laughs> of special activities and stuff like that. It's going to be on uh, one of Celebrity's cruise ships, um, take place next year. Uh, rates are, let's see, it's going to sail from Florida in May. It'll go to Key West, Cozumel, and Georgetown in the Grand Caymans. So if you are a Friends fan and would like to do Friends trivia and be on board a boat with hundreds of other Friends fans, that one might be for you. Southwest and American in the last two weeks have each had problems with not enough people to run their system to fly their airplanes. They've had to cancel banks of flights in both cases in the last two weeks. Southwest has been kind of mum about it and has kind of said, well, we were being proactive because of storms and really hot weather handed into the Pacific Northwest. And so we believe there are going to be a lot of cancellations, so we were being proactive. I will tell you that's mostly PR and BS. You, you pick whichever letters that you want. Um, the What happened was, and we're going to talk about this in our next segment, um, the airlines, they, they basically – told people, their employees, here, here's a bunch of money, go away. Well, now, uh, while the government was giving them money to keep those people around, they were giving those people money to go away. Now we need those people, and the system needs them, and we don't have them. So uh, I'm not sure how this is going to work out because you don't just snap your fingers and pilots and trained flight attendants don't just appear in midair. Well, you know, uh, there's been a lot of stuff in the news about uh, recertification of pilots. In other words, they've Mm -hmm. been off. They haven't been flying for a year or more. Uh, They just don't jump back in the, uh, in the, in the, in the cockpit and and take off. There's a training and so forth that has to go on. So that's slowed it down uh, as well as uh, auxiliary crew that needs to get trained and I would imagine some of those some of those people probably either retired or or moved on, mm-hmm. and it's gonna regardless of how many planes they have, they're gonna have to get all that staff back to get back up to speed. And I well, think we're now. Helps. I think that we're we're seeing we're we're suffering that now. Exactly, and one of the ways that that will help the airlines is if there aren't as many planes, there'll be more demand for the seats that are available, yes. and that will keep the fares up. Yeah. So the airlines may have accidentally not shot themselves in the foot, um, which is what they usually do, but they may have figured out something by accident that works in their favor. Okay, some quick things here to uh, to wrap up the news. A bill that would force the U.S.-Canadian border to reopen has been put before Congress by a couple of Republicans. We'll see what happens. Hilton says that many properties can now confirm connecting rooms online 
during the reservation process. This is a big deal. If you've ever tried to book connecting rooms in a hotel, mm-hmm. uh, anything besides a small independent hotel, usually they'll tell you, well, that's space available and stuff. Hilton now says that you can book connecting rooms during the reservation process. I was checking it out just before we went on the air today, and indeed it does look as though it's it's up and running. So if you're a Hilton fan and you generally travel with more than one room full of people, why then this might be something good for you. Results from last week's Travelers United Reader po- Readers Poll. Simple question. Do you think it is responsible for cruise lines or others to require proof of COVID vaccination? The number of people who said yes to ensure safety for its passengers and crew, 92%. Wow. 8% said no, it's an invasion of privacy. And finally, Hawaii says, uh, if you have been vaccinated, come on over. Uh, starting on the 8th of July, the governor of Hawaii has announced that uh, the state is expected to hit a 60% full vaccination rate by early next month. If everything goes to plan, out-of-state travelers from the U.S. mainland who have been fully vaccinated at least two weeks before travel can come to Hawaii without the 10-day mandatory quarantine. They don't have to be tested. All you have to do is show up with a hard copy of your vaccination card, and you will be in the islands. And I would say... That might be the best sign that things are returning to normal. And finally, a Carnival Cruise Line says a data breach affected a lot of their customers, previous customers' Social Security numbers, passport numbers. Yikes. Dates of birth, addresses, and health information. Folks, if you're a Carnival Cruise Line's customer and they notified you that this you might have been part of this, what is on that list tells me that you should be concerned. So if you've cruised with Carnival Cruise Lines, they had a data breach, make sure you check into it. And that's your travel news for today. And we are the Travel Guys. Again, links to our special guests and more at TravelGuysRadio.com. Coming up after a couple of minutes, we'll have our Smarter Traveler segment with Mark right here on the Travel Guys. Don't forget now, when you're listening to the Travel Guys, it's kind of fun to go to TravelGuysRadio.com. There you'll find links to our guests that's on the program and the things that we talk about so travelguysradio.com we are the travel guys mark hoffman and tom romano brought to you by sports leisure vacations and uh recently our friend joe brancatelli raising some hell with the airlines again first of all mark go ahead and uh, tell folks who joe is and what it is that uh, that he does joe is an east coast uh traveler who runs a a website called Joe Sent Me. It's a, a paid website, and it's the only paid travel website that I subscribe to. So that might give you an idea of, of how valuable I think Joe's information is. And every once in a while, Joe go, goes off and just does what we all would like to do and just gets it all off of his chest. And he did that this week. I tried to get a hold of him and asked to ask him to be a guest on the program so he could kind of do this in person. But then the more I thought about it, uh, Joe wasn't couldn't crack Joe down, and the more I thought about it, I thought, well, you know, maybe this is something that we we ought to just talk about that Joe wrote, and and see what folks think about it. Joe did a a, a column this week called "Everything's Normal on the Road Again." He crossed out the ro- word "normal" and w- wrote the word "rotten." Uh, <laughs> So this is kind of uh, this is a little bit of what Joe had to say. He said, you wanted normal again. You craved it, begged yeah. for it, told anyone who listened all you wanted after 15 months of pandemic was to get back to normal. Well, you got it. Yeah. 
things are back to normal on the road again. And Joe points out a few ways that um, he says airlines and hotels despise us. They think we're rubes and will stop at nothing to charge us more and give us less. We are, in every sense of the word that matters to travelers, back to normal on the road. So here's some normal from Joe. You want nostalgic? American Airlines, this is kind of petty. American Airlines has reduced the size of the Biscoff cookies it distributes and switched to a singular single cookie per package instead of the traditional two-pack. This would be hilariously chintzy if we hadn't already lived through this back in 2007 when United Airlines did the same thing. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Despicable. Joe says Frontier Airlines this week began breaking out a $3 round trip or $1.59 one way COVID recovery fee. The reaction to that one was so intense that even Frontier's sleazy chief executive had to back off. The fee died in one day, possibly because Frontier had also just ended most of its coronavirus safety protocols. So they're going to charge you $3 for corona recovery fee. Recovery. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Infuriating. Marriott is telling its franchises that they must resume honoring the breakfast benefit offered to some elite members. If you're an elite Marriott member, you get a hot breakfast. Uh, of course, many of the hotels stopped doing that. And uh, supposedly this mandate is effective July the 1st because Marriott says, well, we will penalize you if you don't get breakfast going by then. But Joe says it's a little known fact that, the, that Marriott rarely penalizes franchises for things like this. And so he says you're going to find that some of the full-service Marriott's continue to have grab-and-go bags. Welcome back to normal. Uh, call center times mm-hmm. have stretched in the last couple of weeks to as long as four or five hours. Now, why would that be? Well, because they're completely overwhelmed by the number of calls that they're getting, and the call centers are imposing mandatory overtime on the people who are working there. So call center people are working up to 65 hours a week. Now, if you've ever called one of the airline call centers, dare I say, on occasion, you may, you may get somebody who isn't all that helpful. Mm-hmm. So now imagine getting somebody who isn't all that helpful who's on their second eight hours of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Not good. Um, Delta Airlines is, is asking for volunteers from their regular workforce to help out on the telephones. Um, also, carriers are having a hard time getting luggage delivered to the carousels in a timely manner because they don't have enough help. I can vouch for this. Have a family member who works on the ramp in St. Louis for Southwest. Mm-hmm. He says on any given day, they are three or four people short on a 15-man crew. So what does that tell you? Eventually, uh, things like bags are not going to get into the terminal. They're not going to get on the airplane. Um, Joe says, spiteful. Uh, hoteliers have long rails, railed against the rising cost of housekeeping, even though many have already switched outside suppliers who, appo- uh, who employ minimum wage staffers. So, of course, many of the hotels have dropped housekeeping during the pandemic. And it appears now that more than a few hotels, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, are planning on making regular housekeeping not part of the plan moving forward. So. Came back to your room, it's all fresh, and your bed's made, and the towels are picked up. Eh, maybe not quite so much. Yeah. Uh, so we handed, Joe says, the bottom line to this, we handled the airlines tens of billions of dollars. In fact, almost 100 
billion. We told them that one of the reasons we were doing that was so they could keep their pilots and their crews and all the people that make this system run from the people at the front counter to the people on the telephone to keep them employed so that when this all came back, those people would still be there. In the meantime, the airlines did what? Well, they went to their employees and said, hey, we'll give you a whole bunch of money if you'll leave. And so some of them said, well, you know, yeah, sure, we're clo- I'm close to retirement. I'll take that offer. So now all those people have left. They took our money to keep the people there. Didn't happen. Now they don't have the people to serve us, but they sure as hell have all of our money. And at the end of the day, Joe's point is, uh, we were dumb enough to listen to their sob story, and they took us for billions of dollars. So you wanted normal in your post-pandemic life? Welcome back to the road. Things are rotten. I mean normal here. Wow. Joe, you, you, uh, boy, you, you struck a chord there, my friend. Uh, that was a, uh, a sharp Every, nail. Everything he says is true. Yeah. The airlines, the, 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 the taxpayers of this country, not the first time this has happened, have given the airlines a, 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 a pile of money so large that you can't even imagine. And they have, and you watch all of those no fees for cancellation and stuff. That's all going away very soon, too. Link to Joe Bracatelli's uh, column and uh, his website can be found at travelguysradio.com. Now that uh, now that you've totally depressed me here in the last uh, seven <laughs> minutes, let's uh, let's let's see if we can. Uh, no, this won't help. Coming up after the news break, Chris Elliott, consumer advocate, joins us here on the Travel Guys. We're going to talk about those virtually no travel deals for the summer that we were hoping for. It's all coming up next right here on The Travel Guys. Don't go away. Hey there, it's Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano. We are The Travel and Entertainment Guys. As always, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. And it's time to bring back our number one consumer advocate, Mr. Chris Elliott, here to The Travel Guys. Chris, hello again. Hello again. Nice to be with you guys. Chris not only are vacation rental prices looking higher this summer, you mentioned it, it really is a seller's market, but airfares are starting to creep up. And hotel rates, you know, folks sat and waited for a year and a half, and they thought, boy, there's going to be some really great deals, and I'll be able to get in on them. And you know what? Not only are there not a lot of great deals out there, but in many cases, just being able to get a room somewhere for 20% more than what you thought you were going to pay is a good deal. Is that what you're seeing also? Yeah, it really depends on where you are, but absolutely, you've seen airfares have gone up in double digit by the month in double digits in some cases. As a whole, we're not quite where we were in 2019 yet, but we're definitely getting there. Like I said, some markets are exceeding 2019 levels already. Hotel rates are the same. It really varies. It's not an even recovery. And that's the thing that I think a lot of so-called travel experts are missing is that they're saying, buy now, because now everything's going to be more expensive. That is not true. In some places, you know, I'll give you an example. I was in Virginia Beach last week. Their hotel occupancy has been somewhere in the 60s. You're going to have a harder time finding a hotel room at the price that you want in Virginia Beach. I'm right. in Washington, D.C. now, and their hotel occupancy rates, rates are in the 30s. So you're going to be able to still find a really, really good deal on a hotel room in D.C. But really just varies. That's the thing is you have some flexibility this summer and you can maybe choose one destination over the other, go someplace where the rates are lower. Consider with the demand being what it's going to be on the – there's some talk about this about inflation too. The demand is huge in the front end, 
So it's possible that the demand on the back end of the season may not be as high as it is on the front end when everybody's fighting all over each other to get in the front door, and the pricing on the back end of the season may be a little bit better. You know, instead of going in June to a destination, go in November and find yourself on the other end, and maybe you can save a dollar or two that way. As we've kind of talked here, flexibility is is really the key in in this situation. But it is interesting, Chris, that the bargains that many people thought were going to materialize, and, and people like you and I had, had talked more than once, that that might not be the case, that the bargains were occurring during the pandemic and, mm-hmm. and not immediately afterwards. Um, one other topic I wanted to just discuss with you, um, people's behavior on airplanes is becoming increasingly alarming. We had a flight attendant get some teeth knocked out in San Diego on a, a flight from Sacramento, no less, um, a couple of weeks ago. People just generally don't seem to be behaving well on airplanes, and it's a little scary to think that, you know, you could be up at 35,000 feet and having a melee in, in the in the back of the plane. There's not a whole lot of ways that that can immediately be addressed. What 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 do we do about this, Chris? Is it, this a concern to you also? Uh, yes and no. Um, I mean, I should probably put this into some perspective. 99.9% of the time you're flying, you're not going to experience anyone hitting each other. These, these things are still relatively rare if you look at the number of in-flight incidents. That said, they are getting to be a little bit more common um, as people start to fly again. Part of it maybe is that people haven't flown in a while. But another part certainly is that, you know, you've got some very confusing mask rules now. You know, you can take your mask off outside, but the moment you get into the airport, do the TSA checkpoint, and then on the plane, you have to wear a mask for the duration of the flight. You can't take it off to eat and drink, but the flight attendants will come around there now. They're not called flight attendants anymore. Now they're the mask police, and they will tell you, uh, you know, that you, you, can't, you can't be drinking for too long. You've got to put your mask back on. You have to wear it the correct way and all that stuff. So people are kind of getting tired of that. A lot of folks who are flying don't even believe in masks. They don't believe that there is a coronavirus. That's a whole other topic. But so that I think people are starting to get a little bit upset by that. Then there's also the issue of, uh, of airfares that are getting higher. You have an airline industry that is getting an, an almost record bailout. They're going for round four now, from what I understand. And their bailout, the, the size of their bailout is approaching the size of the car industry's bailout, which was the largest bailout in the history of the United States. So... There's a lot going on here. There's just a lot. A lot of people are still nervous. That's why you have all these in-flight confrontations, I think. But will you see people hitting each other on the next flight? Most likely, no. One thing that is really amazes me with the airlines and the audacity, you say that they're, they're preparing to ask the government for a fourth round of help from the, from the pandemic. Yet we have all these people sitting out here with ticket with credits for the airlines, some of which have already expired, others of which will expire in the months to come. The airlines knew this would happen. They know that when they issue that that paper voucher, that there's an almost a 40% likelihood that they'll never have to, to put out those dollars. So in essence, um, they're going to have a little bit of a bonanza from the fact that the average Joe is going to lose his three or four or $500 to the airlines. That absolutely fries me because of the fact that We've used taxpayer money to bail these people out time after time after time. They screw us every time they get the opportunity. And here's a situation where, you know, Congress could have stepped in and they could have said, look, um, if you guys want this money, we have a little issue with all of these credits that you've issued to these people, and we want them to be valid for lifetime or for five years or three years, or or we want them to be transferable. 
so that grandma who was planning on going and now can't go a year and a half later because her health isn't good enough to travel to Europe or who knows when she'll be able to go, will be able to give that ticket to her grandson. So just uh, I, thanks for listening yeah. to my rant there. No, I mean, uh, absolutely. And, you know, I'm glad that you mentioned that because it, it absolutely is a, it's a huge concern. It is making people upset that they're losing their flight credits like this. Um, you know, being close to D.C. now, um, I'm hearing a lot of things about the airline industry going for more aid. And Congress doesn't even bother to ask for anything in return. I don't know of any other industry that gets to keep your money the way that the airlines do or gets to expire the money. And most of the time when you get a gift card, it doesn't expire. There are state rules that prevent it from expiring. And it's your money. And uh, you can use it any way you want to. But with your ticket credits, only you can use them. They'll expire. You can't transfer them to anyone. And these are absolutely absurd rules but for some reason that we've agreed to. And I think that the very least that Congress can do, as you say, is to say, if we want you get more of our aid from the taxpayers, then you're going to need to let people spend the money that they spent on airline tickets when they want to and where they want to. Okay, guys, give me something that's going to make our listeners smarter travelers. We already discussed the fact that uh, the situation with airlines is prices are going up, your vouchers may expire. I'll go with you first, Mark. Give me, give me some, uh, give me some smarter traveler stuff out of all this negativity that we've been throwing around here in the last ten minutes. Wow, wow, wow! Um, if you haven't made your reservations yeah. for the summer, you've waited too long. Okay. So you're 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 going to pay up for air and hotels and car rentals and everything else. Um, so going back to what I said earlier, if 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 you can put off that, maybe take a, a, a staycation now and put off that big vacation until the fall or maybe the first part of next year, you probably will find some prices that will be much more to your liking. Got it, got it. Good, good advice. All that pent-up demand that you've had to go someplace, pin it up a little longer. Chris? Wow. You know, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say the same thing. Uh, as soon as <laughs> September rolls around, prices are going to go down. So that would be a good time to, you can even start looking now. I would even argue that in late August, things are going to start loosening up and uh, we'll see lower prices in a lot of things. But remember, even if you want to take a, a summer vacation, you can do that as long as you choose the destination very carefully. So, you know, if you guys, you know, going up to Lake Tahoe is going to be crazy uh, in June and July, but maybe by the end of August or after Labor Day, even things will start to look a little bit better. And then also, don't do a vacation rental because everyone else is doing a vacation rental. Maybe go stay at a hotel and just drive a little bit to get to the lake or whatever, wherever you want to go to go hiking. But don't uh, don't follow the crowd because the crowd is that means that you're going to be paying more. Remember that uh, during tourist season or really any time, Sunday is the loser night for most hotels. So if you can if you can include a Sunday night instead of you know flying home on. Saturday, you fly home on Monday, and all things airfare being equal are the same way. Then uh, being able to include a Sunday night will oftentimes for hotels will get you. Or if you're just doing a little staycation and you're going a little ways from home and you're only going to do an overnight, Sunday night is often the time that you can get a really special deal someplace. Chris, thank you uh, for all of your time and your wisdom as usual. It is uh, unsurpassed for those of you who uh, might have a travel issue with uh, somebody you've bought travel from, Elliot.org, two L's and two T's, is where you can find a whole lot of stuff, even, believe it or not, stuff that will allow you 
to fight your own battles. They will teach you, give you the information so that you can fight your own battle. And if it doesn't turn out the way you want it, why then you can double back to Chris's team and sometimes they can, they can help you. But, uh, really a great resource there if you have not only a travel consumer problem, but any sort of consumer issue, Elliot.org is a place, uh, to bookmark and you can, you can go there all the time. Chris, I thank you again, my friend. Thank you, sir. Always informative and fun having Chris Elliott on the program, Mark. All right, coming up here after the break, we're going to bring on our Disneyland expert. Everything you need to know if you plan to go to Disneyland. It's next year on The Travel Guys. Hey there, Mark and Tom, the travel and entertainment guys, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. And it's time for a Disneyland update with uh, with my Disney daughter, also, the Travel Guys radio website uh, guru. Uh, Sarah, welcome to the Travel Guys. Hi there. Thank you very much. You recently visited Disney while they were still under under restrictions. So let's let's begin there. We'll make people smarter travelers about their future trips to the Magic Kingdom. So what was it like when you went a few weeks ago under restrictions? Yes, yeah, so since we were there um, before June 15th, they were still requiring uh, masks for all, indoors and outdoors. And they were also um, still requiring six, six feet of social distance um, in all areas. I have to say at that point when we were there, when you were in line, people were fairly good at following the social distancing, distancing markers that were on the ground um, while waiting in line. This did make the lines look extra long because everybody was spaced out. But really, they went pretty quickly. And uh, the rest of the park, people tried to keep their distance, but some areas were a little bit more crowded and bottlenecked than others, so you had to get a bit closer to people. But overall, it felt very good, and um, I never felt uncomfortable. So where are we now? As they've uh, opened up, uh, Disney's going to be going to you know, full capacity, uh, do you, uh, what, what are the mask regulations going to be in regards to indoors, outdoors? What do you know? Well, you should always refer to the Disneyland.com website for the official information. But from what I know at this point, uh, as of the 15th, they stopped requiring masks for fully vaccinated guests. And um, unvaccinated guests are asked to please wear a mask. Uh, indoors. So they can, sounds like they, if you're unvaccinated, you can go without a mask outdoors, but indoors and um, on the ride, you still have to wear one. Um, and that's, of course, all on the honor system. If, if you're not vaccinated, you just have to agree that you're going to wear it. That would also include any Disney transportation like the monorail and so forth, where you would be required to uh, wear a mask if you were not fully vaccinated. Yes. yes. And I will say that the monorail has not opened back up yet. The monorail is still not operational. The trams that take you from the Mickey and Friends parking garage are also not running. So if you park in Mickey and Friends, you will be making a um, a long walk to the park. Um, I've never mapped it out myself, but I've heard a lot of people say that it's over a half mile um, walk. So just be prepared um, if you're going to be parking in that garage. The Toy Story lot, I heard is going to be opening in July, um, and they will bring back the shuttle buses. But those are run, the shuttle buses are actually run by the ART, the Anaheim Regional Transit, and they will be requiring masks on everybody, vaccinated or not, to ride in their shuttles. 
Tell me a little bit about uh, the best time to get there, to arrive at the park. Uh, is it better to be there early? How about uh, late night? What's your suggestions? So it really depends on what your priorities are. So if you are the type of person who just wants to get every second in the park you can, and you want to be there the second they open up those gates, um, you're going to want to get in line pretty early. I've seen people getting in line 6 a.m., 7 a.m. for a 9 a.m. opening. There are, depending on how the crowds are outside the gate, I've heard that they will sometimes open the gates earlier than 9, but 9 o'clock is the posted uh, gate opening, so don't go there expecting that they're going to let you in early. But if you're hoping to take advantage of every second and get early in line, if you're not as worried about missing maybe the first hour, I recommend going in around 9.30, so the park has been already been open for 30 minutes. You haven't missed a ton, but all the crowds that were lined up outside the gate are now inside, so you can get through security much quicker and not have to just stand around. Would you recommend any particular order, whether you do California Adventure first or Disneyland first? I think what you go to, which if you're doing a couple days or more, um, it's really about preference. I always prefer to visit California Adventure first and Disneyland second because Disneyland is my favorite park, and that's how I like to end my trip. But some people can't wait to get to Disneyland and want to go there first. So it's really a personal preference. Um, Disneyland offers you either one park per day tickets, which means you can enter one of the parks, but you have to stay in that park. Or you can get a park hopper ticket, which costs more, but allows you to bounce back and forth between the parks. Um, As part of their uh, COVID rules, Park hopping can't happen until 1 p.m., so you pick the day when you make a reservation of what park you're going to start at, and then when 1 o'clock rolls around, then you can hop to the other one if you wish, and then you can go back and forth at that point. Now, uh, Mark um, always makes the recommendation, and I, and I agree with it, and see what your thought is. When you, when you get in the park, don't start doing stuff at the front of the park, but go to the very, very, very back and work your way back. What do you what do you think about that philosophy? I think that's a pretty good strategy, but that all that that is predicated upon you being there at rope drop. And what rope drop means is is you're there the second they open the gates and let you into the into the park. So if you're there right when it opens, then yes, I think that's a pretty good strategy. You head back to the things that are furthest away because everybody's going to stop at the closer things. If you come a little bit later then by then everybody yeah. spread throughout the park. So then it's really just about what you want to do first. Got it. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. I agree with that. Okay. Uh, let's see. Let's talk about dining reservations uh, and mobile ordering of food. So dining reservations, not all the restaurants are open fully yet uh, at Disneyland or California Adventure. You're going to want to check the Disneyland website to see what is and isn't open when you visit. And that goes for, um, full-service dining where you need a reservation, as well as the quick-service locations. Um, I don't know for sure the dates on everything, but check before you go because they're changing, it seems, every day. The full-service restaurants, you definitely need, need, need excuse me, you definitely need a reservation. You can't just, sometimes they take walk-ups, but it's rare that they do. You can book your dining reservation 60 days in advance of your visit, and you definitely want to do that because they go very quickly. So, um, 60 days out, be online to book whatever it is that whatever places you're looking to dine, such as the Blue Bayou at Disneyland or the Lamplight Lounge at California Adventure. Okay, uh, now that the park is opened up, uh, is mobile ordering of food still going to be a thing? 
I mean, I've heard that they are hoping that they're going to keep that for a while. Um, I know that there are some places where you can walk up and stand in line to get food, such as the popcorn carts or the churro carts. Um, I think they may start doing that again at certain quick service locations, but they're primarily doing mobile order only, which means you can't just walk up and order what you want whenever you want. So you have to have the Disneyland app on your phone. You go in, you figure out what you want, you pick a time frame in which you're going to pick up the food, pick your food, and you put in the order. And then when the time comes to pick it up, you go to that location and you hit a button in the app that says, I'm here, and then they prepare your order and you get it. Um, it can be a bit frustrating for some because that means, you know, sometimes planning a couple hours ahead what you want to eat a couple hours from now and not everybody um, knows what they want in a couple hours. But that's sort of the new normal now. So in some places, fill up their windows very quickly for mobile ordering, very popular locations in the park to eat. So it's best in the morning if you can, when you get there or while you're waiting in line to get in, um, put in some orders and make some decisions about things you'd like to eat throughout the day. You can change the time frames if you need to once you put in the orders, um, but then at least you know you have some things lined up and you're not going to start getting hangry <laughs> from not having something to eat. Okay, last question before we let you go. Using the app. Yes, so the Disneyland app, even more now than before, is essential for your visit because, first of all, it holds your ticket and your reservation for for visiting the park. It's where you do all the mobile ordering for food. You can check all the wait times for the attractions. Now, you used to be able to use the mobile app to book uh, fast passes called MaxPass, but there are no fast passes currently in the park or MaxPass, so everything is standby line only, but you can, the app really helps because then you can look at what the wait times are before you walk over all the way over to um, something to get in line. Um, also, there are two attractions at the park. They're newest attractions, one at Disneyland, which is Rise of the Resistance, the Star Wars ride, and then at California Adventure in the new Avengers Campus, they have just opened a Spider-Man ride called Web Slingers. Both of those attractions have no standby lines. You can't just walk up and get in line. What you have to do is book a boarding pass or a virtual queue uh, reservation in order to ride these attractions. So they're very popular and the boarding passes go very quickly. They're gone within like a second. So you have two chances during the day of your visit to try and get one of these at 7 a.m. and at 12 p.m. You will do this through the app. You have to make sure your tickets, your park tickets are loaded into the app. You should have one member of your party um, trying to get a boarding pass for your whole group. All right, folks, uh, do you still want to go? <laughs> Sarah, the Disney girl, thank you so much uh, for uh, bringing us up to, up to date. Do you, have a, do you have a date scheduled for your next Disney trip? Uh, not yet. I was hoping possibly September. <laughs> okay. All right. Sarah Turner, our Travel Guys Disney expert. Thanks for joining us today. You're welcome. Wow. That was, I mean, that's 10 minutes of, if you're going to Disneyland, that's about as much information. She, Sarah knows her stuff. Well, you know, you'd have to take quick notes. Or better yet, go back to TravelGuysRadio.com. Uh, and uh, in a day or so, the podcast will be there, and you can you can listen to it again. Yeah, lots of good stuff. Dis- uh, uh, we took Sarah there for the first time when she was about four, uh, uh-huh. and uh, she hasn't stopped going. And, well, and she, she, she knows her stuff. 
Yeah, no, I, I can't, I've never heard anybody who could give that good of a of a dissertation on Disneyland, especially right now when there are so many things that are different. All right, dance like nobody's watching. Next week on The Travel Guys, we're going to dip into the mailbag, answer some of your questions. We'll see you next time. Stay well, my friends. See you next time here on The Travel Guys.